Hey you guys, I want to welcome you to the very first episode of The Melanated Mental. I am your host, Keisha, and I just want to welcome you guys to the family. So episode one will be about my life story and how um, I end up being diagnosed with bipolar disorder type 2. BPD, which is uh, borderline personality disorder, uh, PTSD, also anxiety, and major depression. So, majority of my mental health um, I'm surviving with, I won't say that I'm suffering with this, I am surviving with this, okay? And my childhood was not the best childhood. Um, I was beaten, I was abused, um, I was stabbed, my biological grandmother, she was very abusive, she was, um, an alcoholic, um, my biological mother, nor my biological, nor, excuse me, my biological father were in the picture of watching me or raising me, um, my godparents, adopted me so they really truly helped me and uh saved my life basically um so to start off I want to start off you know going back to my childhood like I said I didn't have the best childhood I was born into a very dysfunctional family I have a drug dealer mom I have a drug dealer father and an alcoholic grandma. <laughs> what a combination, right? So my grandmother, who I was raised by up until I was maybe uh, 13, maybe 14 years old, she would drink every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I would go get her liquor from... Um, the bootlegger in Pinehurst. I won't reveal any names, but if you know, and if you're from Pinehurst, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, so I will go get her liquor. At that time, mind you, I'm like 10, 11, 12. And I would go and give it to her. And she would get very violent. She would want to fight. She would want to cuss everyone out in the neighborhood. Of course, at that time, you know, everyone kind of knew, you know, what was coming. So a lot of people really didn't pay her any mind. Um, So I was, you know, getting really pretty much abused at that time. Um, I would go to church, which was like directly across the street from us. And it was called Columbia Christian Fellowship, my very first church. And I love that church so much. I was raised (laughs) in that church. I was... uh, that was the church. That was the church. <laughs> so I would go over there on Wednesday nights and I would go Sundays. And then certain Sundays we would have kind of like of a teen night. So, you know, we would go to different um, church family homes and we kind of like just kind of hang out, kind of talk. And no one knew really what was going on in my household um, until I actually began you know started talking about it um they didn't know how 
severe it was, but they knew kind of sort of what was going on. Um, so they literally kind of kept me sane for a while. And once I didn't have them anymore because she stopped me from going there, I became really depressed. Um, I would not talk sometimes. I wouldn't eat sometimes. Um, I was basically an adult in a child's body, in all honesty. Because, you know, I would be raising my little brother. I would be raising my little sister. Um, if she woke up in the middle of the night, you know, I would take care of it and I would fix her bottles. I would make sure that she slept, things like that. And like I wasn't allowed to go to like um, to parks. I wasn't allowed to do a lot of kid things. I was basically, like I said, an adult in a child's body. Um, but once I got to <laughs> high school at C.A. Johnson, I went to move with my godparents after all the years of abuse with my biological grandmother. And I put my godparents through a little trial. My ninth grade year, I kind of, I got into fights. <laughs> I'll never forget the one fight that happened after um, the step team. Oh my gosh. If anybody remembers this, this is hilarious. But the step team basically sucked <laughs> that performance and someone mentioned it and I fought that person so yeah I got like seven days of suspension and my parents didn't know because I would act like I was going to school but I would end up somewhere else but um they definitely saved my life they you know kind of let me grow into the person that I am so, you know, if I had something to do after school, they will let me participate in those particular things. You know, they will let me do cheerleading. They will let me do um, the yearbook committee. They will let me do things that a normal teenager was supposed to do. Of course, you know, being a teenager, I would sneak out. I would tell them at the time with my best friend, I would tell them that, hey, I'm at I'm with one of my best friends. I'm at her house. You know, putting people in very bad situations because I would lie and say that I was with them. And you know who you are if you would ever listen to this. Understand that I love you and I miss you. So um, I will always lie and say that I was at her house and she was always down for my shenanigans. So <laughs> she saved me a lot, a lot of times. Um, but I did give my godparents a trial you know I would be very rebellious um at the time um they I like I said I can't remember what how old I was when I went to stay with them I just know that I did and they let me get the freedom of being a teenager which I I appreciated now that I'm older because it was just like if I would have stayed with my biological guy, you know, with my biological grandma, I felt like I wouldn't be able to do those things. Um, even with my um, godparents, I think I failed math because I am terrible. Okay, terrible with numbers, and I failed that class. But instead of them criticizing me, they were just like, "Okay, so we know you can make good grades." So there's some there's something that you're not getting. So let's have you go to summer school. Let's try to figure out what's going on. 
and then you could take the class next semester, which I actually wanted to so I could see for myself that, hey, I can do this, which I did. And I ended up getting like an A out of that class. Miss Brunson, girl. But I ended up getting an A out of the class because my godparents actually believed in me. Um, so, you know, uh, I graduated high school. We had a small class. Um, Shouts out to C.A. Johnson class of 2010. Uh, rest in peace to all those we lost. Um, but yeah, so I went on to Benedict College. Oh my God, y'all. Benedict was an eye opener. And shouts out to class of 2014, 15, 16, 17. Oh y'all, you know, everybody that I met at Benedict our freshman year of 2010. I love you guys till still to this day because it's a lot of y'all that I still talk to so um I went there and I was basically clueless of how like college work um I was clueless that you know don't get eight o'clock classes because you ain't gonna get up for them because if you was to go out mm-mm, you might as well chuck that up as a loss if you thought you was gonna get up at eight o'clock now some people could do it but Keisha I was not um so I got really depressed at Benedict my sophomore year because I was comparing myself to everyone that was around me. I was comparing myself as how I dressed, how I act, how I talked, um, the popularity, how I looked. I was just like, I'm not as pretty. I'm not as smart. I am not as trendy as all these people. So I definitely lost myself during um, my two years at that time at Benedict before I went into the military and my grades suffered like they suffered I went from being a straight A student my freshman year to barely making a C um my sophomore year so I end up getting um I end up testing for the military I got in and I went to basic training so I got to my first unit and I was very much the unliked kid. I was very much the outcast. I was very much the black sheep. Um, I was basically the hellraiser. <laughs> I was honestly the hellraiser because I was the person that if you are in a leadership position and you're telling me something to do, you must be willing to do the same thing that you asked me to do if you are a true leader that's how I look at leadership so if you ask me hey I need you to go clean the bathroom so make sure the toilets are good blah 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 in my opinion I guess in my eyes I'm like okay well you have done this but a lot of people didn't didn't view leadership like I did so they would tell me to go do things and I'm just like okay so why you ain't do it Granted, that's not the a mentality that you have in the military. You got to kind of, you know, be voluntold and be like, yeah, you should go. You should do this. Okay, you should do that. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't that yes man. I never have been. And I don't think I ever will be. <laughs> so in the military, I got really, really, really depressed because I was all the way in. I was really far away from my family a couple times. 
And I suffered from that because at that time, me and my godparents have grown very, very close. And we talk literally every day, you know, being raised in a house and then being snatched away from that and being miles, miles, miles away. It affects you. It definitely did for me. Um, So I got really depressed. I drunk all the time, honey. Honey, I was at formation drunk. I was in the field drunk. Like, (laughs) I was drunk all the time. And um, I got into some trouble. I recovered from that trouble. (laughs) And then um, I ran into this sergeant that I shouldn't have run into. And uh, that person made me feel good. I thought he was on my side. Um, You know, I thought he completed me. But a lot of things went behind that. And um, I got sexually assaulted. And um, I was basically forced into a relationship that I didn't want. Technically, I did not want it because I didn't even know... That basically I was in a relationship like he would text me things and be like oh your your car tire is flat just so I can like run outside so he could see me or he'll be like oh I heard you went to the club and you was dancing on this person and this person now at that time I was just like oh this person's just overprotective and oh it's so cute but now that I'm almost 30 honey <laughs> that was mental abuse because he did it a lot and um when I got sexually assaulted the first time I just thought that it was something that I did I blamed myself for it I was like I got too intoxicated I got too drunk I should have known that um it wasn't right so I, I definitely blamed myself um and then I put myself See, there I go, blaming myself again. It was not my fault. So I will tell all my um, sexually assaulted uh, victims that it's never your fault, okay? I don't care what you were wearing. I don't care what you were drinking. I don't care who you were with. I don't care if you were by yourself. It's never your fault, okay? It's never your fault. Um, some people just don't know what no means. Um, but back to the story. So I actually went out again and I went to Louisville, Kentucky. Hmm, they've been in the news lately, haven't they? But I went there and we went to a club. I used to always go with the same group of people. So shouts out to that people, them group of people, because I still talk to y'all to this day. And um, I left with someone who I knew, who I trusted, y'all, who I trusted. And I had to throw up. Now, mind you, I'm not the one who throws up after drinking. I can hold my own. But at that time, I was kind of a beginner drinker, so I was mixing a lot, so I really had to throw up. So I threw up, and the next thing you know, boom, it happens again, y'all. And I'm just like, Huh? So I just got very depressed. I isolated myself. I, if I was coming home um, from the unit after we had got dismissed for the day, like I'm in my room. Like, don't bother me. I'm in my room. 
or I would text, you know, FaceTime family at that time. But I wouldn't do too much. I wouldn't go out too much. Um, the friends that I had, you know, I would hang with them. But as far as new people, I wouldn't hang out with new people until I met this person. Uh, Cleveland. Rest in peace to you, son. Um, but he was the person who pulled me out of my shell. So before I get there, I'm going to just back up for a minute. So I went to, when I got depressed, um, I felt like I needed a therapist. So, of course, the therapist asks, you know, do you want to harm anyone? Do you want to harm yourself? Do you want to harm anybody else? And at that time, I didn't really know what it meant. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I was just like, yeah, I want to fight this person. But in my mind, at that time, I was like, yes. I do want to harm someone. And yes, I do want to harm myself. So that basically put me in a situation. Um, and at that time, I did want to hurt myself. Um, I tried to take 30 sleeping pills, was it? So I didn't call my sergeant one of those times. And they basically came in and found me. So I had to go to a psychiatric, psychiatric, y'all, I can't say that word. (laughs) So I went to the hospital. There we go. I went to the hospital and for those 30 days that I was in, I'm going to just say this, those 30 days that I was in that hospital, my higher ups saw me twice. They didn't care what happened. The sergeant that was in charge basically said that we have a fallen soldier so basically a fallen soldier is basically someone who's dead okay and that's basically what she said to the office that we have a fallen soldier like bro i'm not dead i'm in a hospital anywho so i found out i was pregnant in the hospital so they got that kind of brought my silver lining to the situation but um since i'm o negative and i didn't have the rh um shot basically my body killed my first child which was very depressing once I learned that it was actually my body who killed my child and not some like natural cause which ate me up it still eats me up so that sunk me deeper down the rabbit hole so I got back to my unit and they wanted me to talk to a, a therapist again. And it was this old white man who looked like he didn't even give a fuck about what I wanted to talk about. He didn't give a fuck of what I felt. He didn't give no fucks. He just wrote me a prescription, told me to take it twice a day. And that was basically it. Okay. Looking at the notes that I got from the military, he didn't give no fuck. Okay. They really don't give a fuck about y'all. So mindful if you decide to go to the military. Anywho. So, um, basically I was taking that and it would make me into a zombie. So basically I would just focus intensely on work. I wouldn't really have any feelings. I would go home and kind of do that same thing over and over and over again until the sergeant who was in charge, she was just like, well, I don't think you should take that because it's not really helping you. So I was like, okay. So, um, So, yeah, I had now I will say this. 
there are great people in the military. Um, there are some people who helped me along the way. Um, so I want to thank you guys for that. And it's some people who are unfortunately not on this earth with us anymore, but I know they are my guardian angels. Um, Cleveland, he, uh, once I came home from the hospital, he, um, was the first one that I met who was new. So he was just like, Oh, what's up? You know, you, you, the, the reason why we met is because I think I had an orchid, an orchid plant and it fell over. And I think it broke. And I just kind of left it there. And he was just like, yo, my sergeant keep yelling at me because you're broken plant. And I was like, bro, it's just a broken plant. Like, just sweep that shit over there. Call it a day. And then, boom, <laughs> a friendship formed. And, you know, I trusted him. He had my back. He made me laugh. We got drunk. We partied. Um, God rest his soul, he isn't with us anymore. Um, I had a, a great sergeant. Um I had a great sergeant and she was amazing. Um, I won't mention her name, but she was absolutely amazing. And she helped me so much. Even after the military, she, she helped me so much discover so much of myself, kept me in, in a positive mindset, even though she was going through cancer. So she's not on this earth anymore. She's one of my guardian angels. So I want to say thank you to you. Um, as well, and I hope you're you're sleeping in peace, baby. And I know that you're not in any more pain. Um, so a little fast forward. Um, I came home. Uh, I started school again, and I had my first child. And my first child, she was amazing. I love that little girl, y'all. If y'all know my baby, y'all know my baby. That girl has a sassy. Okay, a sassy personality and she plays no games okay when it comes to her family and her little brother and I had my second my second baby which is my little boy and you know if you know my son all he does is talk about ocean animals so those are my babies those were my my light in a very dark cave you know so they helped me a lot and I didn't realize that maybe something was wrong up until um, I went to, where did I go? I was getting my disability uh, rating from the VA and I was telling her that I felt depressed and that, you know, she wanted to get me therapy and counseling and all of that and I would talk to her. And she was like, well, it sounds like you have symptoms of this and you have symptoms of that and this and that and the third. So, of course, at that time, I'm just like, bro, first off, you're not a person of color. Okay. So please stop putting these titles on me that I do not have. I was very much so in denial about the mental, my mental state until I actually spoke to a black therapist. So I went to the hospital here because I tried to commit suicide. Um, now, mind you guys, I haven't tried to commit suicide since 2018. Um, I'm doing very well and I'm healthy now or trying to be healthy now. So um, I went to the hospital and I stayed. Um, I talked to a black therapist and she I told her everything like I was raw 
Okay, y'all, I was raw with this lady. Like, I peeled back every onion peel that I had until it was like the little pulp. And I went down all the way down the rabbit hole until I came out on the other side of the tree. And she was just like, yeah, baby, you may not want to admit it, but your mental state is in scrambles. And when she said it, I was just like, baby, I'm good. And she was like, no, honey, no, you're not. You have that, that, that mentality that all black women have is that strong mentality like you you have to be strong because so many people are depending on you you know you have kids you have your parents everyone's looking up to you you have friends at this time everyone's looking up to you everyone wants something you have to be strong you have to be soft women black women black men you have to be in tuned with yourself you have to be able to know your boundaries and she taught me all of this. She was telling me that, hey, I think you need to research this. She didn't just give me a diagnosis. She gave me a diagnosis and she told me that, hey, I need you to research this yourself too so you know what's going on with you. No one can tell you what's going on with you if you know what's going on with you. And she put it as bluntly as that. She was like, if I leave the VA, you're going to have someone who does not look like us, tell you something that you should know about yourself and they may not put it on paper like you know. You see what I'm saying, y'all? So she was, oh my lord. That lady was very honest with me. She's no longer with the VA. I think she has her own private practice, but she's no longer with the VA. And I was good for a minute, y'all. Or at least I thought I was good for a minute. And then... Um, I tried to commit suicide again. And I think that was in 2017, maybe? August? I think that's when I had my mental breakdown, y'all. In August of 2017. And I was working at a doctor's office. And I had, I guess, a hallucination that I saw the person who who sexually assaulted me on this person's face. And I swore, y'all, I swore that this was that person. Like, I was just like, you walked in here with your wife? And you you harmed me. So at this time, granted, that was not the person. And I did apologize. I did, you know, send a letter to them and apologize. Um, but I, I really thought this person was... And I went upstairs because I got really, really anxious. Like, my hands were twitching. My hands were sweaty. My head started throbbing. I was seeing white spots. My my legs were shaking uncontrollably. Like, I was going through it. Okay, y'all? I was going through it. I was just like, yeah, something ain't right. It ain't right. So, um, I went upstairs and I grabbed a knife and I just started cutting and I almost cut my femoral artery. I think I nicked it. And they um, did sutures in my leg. And they kind of closed it up to make sure that I did not bleed out. And, um, sorry, graphic. Um, so that happened. So I had to stay at the hospital for 30 days. And um, I just couldn't face 
the staff when I went through all of that. I knew that it wouldn't be the same. Like, I felt like they will always look at me like, oh, she had a mental break at work. It wouldn't be like, oh, okay, you know, she had a bad day. No, I knew that the fact that I will be looked at differently. So I never went back. Um, so Thanksgiving of 2018, y'all, I was called crazy. And I do not like that term. I don't like when black women get on social media and be like, oh, yeah, I'm crazy. I'm the crazy one. Baby, that's nothing to brag about. Like, if you're (laughs) like, it's truly nothing to brag about, y'all. Like, that is, I hate that word so bad. Like, don't call me crazy. Um, But someone called me crazy and it triggered. I didn't know that was one of my triggering points until it happened. And I was. I, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to let them have their way because apparently they're having a bad day. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I told my mom, I was like, well, I'm about to go back to the hospital. And she was like, well, why? I was like, because I'm having impure thoughts. <laughs> and I, I I don't feel welcome right now. Oh, my God, parents. Excuse me. I don't feel welcome right now. I don't I don't feel the love. I feel anxious. And right now I feel very hopeless. And, um, she was just like, okay, well do what you need to do, but just don't, I think I went that night and I drove all the way up to North Carolina and I went to Salisbury because the VA in Columbia didn't have any space. So I drove with my thoughts, how many times I tried to swerve off the road, but I was just like, just go get some help. Just try to get some help, go get some help. And I'm not sure of how it happened, but I had like a, you know how you zone out while you're driving and you're very surprised that you don't crash? Basically, that's what happened. And I saw my kids laughing and smiling and hugging themselves. And I was just like, yep, this is going to be the one that makes me do what I need to do from this point on. So I decided that then I was going to get healthy and I decided that I was going to take control of my mental health. Um... So, um, that's kind of generally my, my, my story in a nutshell. Um, if you personally know me, you know, my story gets very, very gruesome. Um, I feel like I shouldn't share that part of gruesome. Um, but it'll come in time through the, through the podcast within itself. But understand you guys, um, whoever may be listening that, I have been at rock bottom, y'all. Rock bottom. And I tell many of my friends this now, um, that when you at rock bottom, y'all, the only way you can look is up, okay? You may see a tunnel. You may not see the sun just yet, but just know that all you can do is look up. Um, I was not in a good headspace, y'all, for years. And I kept being in denial of what was going on because I was just like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just agitated. I just got an attitude. I just, you know what I'm saying? I just kind of like put it off 
on things that was stereotypical for for black women like you know we just got this attitude or we the angry black woman but in all honesty i was mentally and still mentally fighting myself um because having depression and anxiety is like you want to get out of bed yet you don't have the energy for it you want to go do something productive but you don't got you you you're second guessing yourself or with bipolar, you know, you go on those really, really high highs and then you crash in those lows. You know, you'll be good one day and the next thing you know, you want complete d- darkness. You want complete silence. Um, so it's just, it's it's a hard thing to deal with. And I made this podcast because I was just like, I want to help those who feel like they don't have a voice, who feels like they need help but don't know how to don't know how to ask for it or maybe just maybe you don't even know that you have it like I was in denial of having so many diagnoses I didn't know that I had that many so in that in itself was just embarrassing to me so of course I hid it I hid it from everybody but now that I'm trying to make friends and now that I've damaged so many friendships along the way and I wish that I can be able to talk to those people that I damaged because it was not intentionally. I didn't know that I was being such a bad friend due to all of this. And it's not to excuse my behavior because sometimes you have to take accountability. But it was it was kind of sort of the, the main cause. So... Um, with that, I would just say, you know, if you're you're going through a rough time, if you're going through something, I feel like reach out to someone, talk to someone. You you don't walk this um, this journey alone, in which we call life. You always meet someone who is willing to walk a path with you. That's that's kind of like how life works. You walk a path with people. You're never really alone. So, you know, reach out to people who haven't heard from you or, you know, call the, the suicide hotline if you feel in a way or if you veterans are listening, call the Veterans National Hotline if, you know, something is going on. Just don't give up, y'all. I am living, living proof. Who? Let me say that again. Who? I am living proof that it gets better but you gotta want that because someone said to me I can't remember who said this but it was like if you commit suicide it doesn't erase the pain it just gets put on someone else and that hit so hard for me because I was just like yeah I'm done I'm done with life and then I thought about it I was like oh my kids have to grow up and try to figure out why did their mom commit suicide and then my mom or my dad would have to bury my godparents excuse me would have to bury me and try to figure out why did not come to them so suicide never cures anything it just pass on the pain and it's going to continue to pass on the pain because you're going to feel like your family and your friends are going to feel like what happened I tried so hard to be there. And once I realized that I didn't want my friends to look like that, that's when I realized that I needed help. 
Now, granted, a lot of people aren't helpful. A lot of people like to say, pray about it and let it go. Or they simply don't believe you. Then you need to remove those people out of your life because they're not helpful to your your recovery. They're damaging you. And that makes you go down deeper than what you thought you were at. So it's really, really hard to look up if you got someone digging your hole deeper for you. Um, oh, yeah, I'm about to go on my preaching moment. So let me go ahead and end this, this podcast today. Um, so I will be going live on Facebook the first weekend in August. Or wait, just this weekend. A lot. The second weekend of August, I will be going live so we can kind of talk about um, how you can, you know, reach out to see if you you have a mental illness. Um, I am on all social media platforms. My Facebook is Keisha S. Miller, or excuse me, Keisha S. McKnight. Um, you'll see me and it'll say uh, Black Mental Health, uh, Lives Matter, um, oh, social media. <laughs> I am uh, on IG. I am underscore K, five E's, five S's, and H, and that's Quiche. Um, so if you guys need to reach out, if you guys need to talk, um, my Facebook and my all my DMs are open. Like I just want to help you guys help yourself, help yourself, yourself. <laughs> I just want to help. The world be a better place because the world is crazy right now. We're living in the last times, I feel like. So if you need help, I'm here for you. Um, I'm not sure what you guys may believe in, so God bless you. Um, all the light and energy and positivity to you guys. Um, may ancestor lead you whatever path you may be on but my ancestor led me here so I'm just going to deliver this message because I felt like they told me I had to so you guys until next time this is your host Keisha and welcome welcome to the family y'all welcome to the melanated mental and I'm out